I don't know. There's Rick, right? Uh, you guys, I just, for Rick, Rick is always serving in the worship ministry. When he's not on the stage, he is worshiping his heart out right there in the fifth seat. Uh, but Rick, we appreciate you, brother, and the way that you pour your heart into worship into this church. We love you very much, my friend. Well, tonight, you guys, uh, my name is Chip. I am your youth and young adults pastor here, and Pastor Mike's away, so I get to share with you tonight, and, uh, and being in the youth and young adults ministry uh, has been such a blessing for me over the past year and a half and some change, um, and one of the things that it allows me to do is just be around people all the time. You know, sometimes when we have other jobs, it's easy to get, get away and isolate yourself. If you get to work in a cubicle, sometimes we like that, right? But if you get to work in a cubicle or if you have your own office, sometimes it's just easy to get isolated. Uh, but what I really love about this job is that I get to always be around people, right? If it's, uh, if it's Friday nights or, or during the day I'm going to lunch with kids, I get to be on school campuses during the week, and I'm always around people. And there's, there's a lot of things that, that, we, that we see um, in different groups of people, right? So I'm at, I'm at schools, I'm at church, I coach my girls' soccer team. So they're just always people, people, people. And uh, the more that I'm around people, the, the more that I'm realizing that this world needs help, right? Like, that's, that's not a reflection of their character. It's just, gosh, we have people that are lost, people that just don't know the truth. Uh, and the more that you're around people, the, mo- the more that you'll start to figure out that they need the church to step up. Right, that, that they, they live in a broken world. There's families that are broken. I get to see this all the time on school campuses and uh, with other people. You know, I, we've, I've made the joke uh, with one of my friends that at my age, a lot of our friends are on the second marriages. You, have, you know, it kind of goes in waves, right? And I won't tell you how old I am, uh, but it goes in waves. And uh, it shouldn't be that way, right? Like there's a cycle. Okay, now you had your first marriage, you're done and you're gone. Now it moves on to the next one. And you guys, that's not how it's supposed to be. We have just a broken world and so many of the things that, uh, that, that the world tries to understand or take from the Bible, they, per- they pervert it and twist it and they get it wrong. We're in a broken world. I go to schools where there's kids that just have broken homes and uh, they're just struggling with depression and there's, there's so much hurting you know, and, and families are broken, kids are hurting, schools are pushing God out. I will tell you this, at the high schools that I get to go to, the kids still want God. Right? It's, it's, the, it's the adults that are trying to keep God out of the schools. And these kids realize that as more and more of their friends are battling with issues, that there's got to be hope somewhere. And there is pockets of kids on each campus that are willing to stand boldly for the things of God. They know that the answer is God. Amen? The kids still want them there. So, so why is the world this way? You guys, uh, one of the things that is very popular to talk about in church is love, right? You go, you go to church, it's like, just make sure you shake hands, let someone know that you love them. I say that almost every Sunday that I lead worship with you guys, and, uh, and so often we're just, we hear that word love, and it's almost like love has become a buzzword. Like, we don't even know what it really means half the time anymore. We just say love. Oh, let's just love. Just love on them. Just love on them. You know, they'll, they'll come to know Jesus. Just love on them. We just use that term so empty. And, and so tonight what I want to do is talk a little bit about love. And, uh, and it would seem that to me that if love, we know the Bible says that love never fails. We all know that verse. Probably any of the weddings you've been to, love never fails. And somehow the idea of love that the world has fails over and over. Somehow the idea that the church is putting out to the world, that idea of love seems to be failing over and over and over. So what are we going to do? At what point is the world going to finally turn to the church and say, 
help us, what is love? I don't know if that day will ever come. I don't know if they'll, they'll ever admit that what they're doing is wrong, but at some point, there's going to have to be a, a calling back where they say, we've got it wrong, help us figure out what is love. And I know my heart, I know this church's heart, our pastor's heart, is to be a church that has a ready answer. Right? What is love? What does biblical love look like? We want to be a church that has that answer, but not just by words. We want to be a church that when people are looking for the answer, when they, when they come asking questions, they cannot just look at the words that we're saying, but they can look at our lives up to that point and see, wow, they really are living out this love as well. Right? We don't want to be a church of just words. We don't want to have just, just answers. It's good to have the answers to be able to, to reply to them. What is love? We want to be able to give them that answer, but we also want to be able to show them. You know, I made the example a while back uh, that Danny, who does our, our audio and video back there, uh, a lot of our media stuff, he can do a backflip on a trampoline. So instead of having to explain it in long, long paragraphs, he can tell you this is the idea, and he does a backflip. Right? That's the idea with love. When the world comes looking to us for love, it should be a quick explanation, and then they can look at your life, they can look at what your church is doing, they can look at the way that you pour into other people, and they can see that love in action. Amen? Isn't that something that we should want? What's it going to take uh, when they finally turn and ask us what real love is? So you guys, tonight I plan to keep it simple. Aren't you guys glad that the things of God do not have to be complicated? <laughs> that, that bodes well for me, that they don't have to be complicated. So tonight we're going to talk about what real love is. Uh, um, let me say something to you. You may not like everything that I have to say. I won't apologize to you because sometimes the Bible doesn't care about your emotions. Sometimes the Bible, doesn't, the Bible doesn't take our feelings into consideration. If the Bible says it, it is the truth. Amen? So if I, if I offend you tonight, get mad at God, not me. Don't really get mad at God. Just go read the Bible and make sure what I'm telling you is from the Word, okay? Let's agree that the Bible is, uh, let's, let's agree that the, Bible is the, the, the Word of God, and that's what we're going to focus on and get all of our truth for living and for speaking uh, out of. Amen? We're going to look at what love looks like tonight. We're going to take a few categories, uh, what love looks like towards others, how we love on our friends, how we love on our enemies. Yay, fun one, right? And, and why we can love when we don't feel like it or when we don't want to or we just feel like we don't have any love left to give and why that's important. So uh, let's look at why we walk in love. Um, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 13. That's where we're going to go. Did anybody guess that off the top of their head? We're going to talk about love, so let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Don't worry, we're not going to read the wedding part. <laughs> you guys, as you're flipping there, uh, just if you, if you go on any of the websites that have Bible Gateway or Bible Hub, any of those things, you type in love, it's going to pop up, love, charity, something like that. It's going to pop up roughly 500 times, right? So let's all, let's all understand this, that, that love itself is something that's super important to God. We know God is Love, right? We know that. That's not, a, that's not something that we have to try to figure out. We know God is love. We, love is mentioned itself about 500 times, and it's poured out. The love of God is poured out on every single page of that Bible that's in your lap. So love is an important topic for us to understand. It's something that we should, we should be looking at all the time on how we can continue to grow and improve in that. It's a reoccurring theme throughout the Bible. So let's start in 1 Corinthians 13. We'll start right there in, in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You guys, essentially what, what this is saying is that anything that we do, anything that you do, no matter how cool, no matter how spiritual, no matter how charitable that it may seem, without doing it in love, without love, it means nothing. Right? I told you it was going to be a fun service. Right? Prophecy. That's all something that is super cool. Prophecy, knowledge, faith, all for nothing without love. Guys, I'm just reading you the Bible. Sell everything and feed the poor. That's something that is awesome. That's a good thing to do is to help people. But if you do it without love, it does nothing for you. There's a difference between the way that the world loves and the way that we are called to love as the body of Christ. Um, Years and years ago, uh, there was a celebrity couple that formed, and the basis of their relationship came out of an adulterous affair uh, that caused a divorce that then had them get together, and then they became like the Hollywood super couple that could do no wrong, and I'm like, well, they just, it started wrongs, but but we'll look past that real quick, okay, so... Uh, and and they, they were super famous, and they were doing a lot of the things that the world said was, was good. And one of the big things that they did was start adopting kids from all over the world. Let me say this disclaimer. Adoption is biblical. Adoption is good. But what did we just read in the Bible? Prophecy is good. Knowledge is good. Faith is all good. But without love, it means nothing. Right? So we have this, this couple that's, that's in a broken home that's adopting kids from all over the world. And, and they're being praised for it. Now, and I hope I'm wrong in this. I hope that, uh, that what they instilled in the kids maybe has changed since then. But since then, the, the husband and wife have since broken up. I don't know anything about the kids anymore. I know it was not a Christian home uh, when they were together. I don't know what the status is now. Right, But we have this couple uh, that the world praised them. And again, adoption is good. Adoption is biblical. But unless God is in the picture, unless these kids come to know their heavenly father, if they don't come to know Jesus, if they don't come to know love, if they don't come to know their heavenly father, it is all for nothing. Right? And I know it seems harsh because we're looking, and there's a difference between judging by the world's standards and judging by God's standards. You guys are so excited tonight. You're like, I wish they would bring Garrett back. He did good on Sunday night. I told you it wasn't going to be a real fun one for you, but this is something that uh, when I look around at the world and how broken and how hurting it is and the church just says love, the church is either missing the definition of love when we're trying to reach the world or God's word isn't true, right? We're either missing it when we're telling them what love is because it's not working in their lives. And I, and, and I know God's word is true. Have you guys had God come through with his word? Right? We could all raise our hands and give examples, uh, and we'd be here till Pastor Mike comes back. Right? But the word of God is true. The Bible says God is love, and if you don't know God, you don't know love. Period. There's no other add-ons. If you don't know God, you don't know love. Right? We may have versions of it or perversions of it that the world has, but if you don't know God, you do not know love. We may know what the world calls love, and it looks, it looks good to everyone else, but back in verse 2 and 3, we saw it. You can do all you want, but without love, in essence, without God, I'm nothing. Is that a true statement for you? Without God, I am nothing? That's a true statement. Without doing something in love, without doing something with God, it does nothing. Let's go to verse 13. We're still in the same chapter. 
Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Uh, In verse 8, it gives us some ideas about love. Love never fails. We've referenced that tonight. That's a good one. Love never fails. Whether they're prophecies, they will fail. Whether they're tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. You guys, love never fails. Love will never go away. While other things will pass, love doesn't. And if love doesn't stop, it's probably a good thing to get to learn and to put into practice now. We're going to be doing it for eternity. Why is love needed? Other than the fact that our world is broken, why is love needed? If you go to Galatians 5, 6, you don't have to flip there. They'll put it on the screen for you. But Galatians 5, 6, at the very end of the verse, it says, faith works by love. That's going to be the reoccurring theme. Now, usually if I pause, it's going to be you saying love. Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love. Uh, you guys, Pastor Mike tells the story, and forgive me if I forget the, the men that were in the room with him. Uh, he was with Brother Hagen, and I believe it was Lester Summerall, uh, at a convention. It was just them three in the back uh, getting ready to go out, and, uh, and I believe it was Lester Summerall. Again, if I don't have the name right, forgive me. Uh, and, and Lester Summerall, before they went out the door, said, if my prayers are not getting answered, I don't examine my faith. I look at my relationship with God. Do you guys remember this story? If my prayers are not getting answered, I don't examine my faith. I look at my relationship with God. And I think Brother Hagin said, amen. Pastor Mike did one of these, probably. And they walked out the door, right? You guys, the point, the point of that whole thing is that if you're walking outside of love, your faith is ineffective. If you're walking outside of God, your faith is ineffective. So when we look at the verses in James 5.16 that says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you are not walking in love, you are not being effectual or fervent. Do we see how these things work together? How love is, is so key? Here's a couple questions. Now, please don't shake your head yes or no or raise your hands or, or shout, shout yes or no. Like, if you're kindergartners, they just yell out in class. Let's not do that. Let's just, I don't know what the teachers use these days to stay quiet, but let's just stay quiet. Some questions for you to think about. Are you harboring hatred or unforgiveness towards anyone? Are you being disrespectful to your boss or coworkers? Are you talking behind someone's back? Is that walking in love? If not, could that be why, uh, why we feel, or sometimes the church world at large feels like God doesn't hear our prayers or God doesn't answer our prayers? You guys ever heard that God can answer yes, no, or maybe? Right? And I think a lot of that means is, I don't know if God's ever going to answer me, so we'll just take the not answer as a maybe, and we'll hold our breath. Right? All of God's promises are yes and amen. Right? We know that. So, <laughs> so, so maybe... Why the church world at large feels that God never hears them and they don't get answers to their prayers is because faith works by love. Without love, faith doesn't work. God's not in you being disrespectful. He's not in your gossiping. He's not in your unforgiveness. He is in your love and your faith works by love. So walk in love, not those other things. Amen? If the Bible says that we can ask in faith and know that he hears us and then if he hears us, we know that we can have what we ask for, I think we should probably ask for things in faith. Now, faith works by love. So if we're not in love, we have inactive faith, and should we expect to receive anything from God? Gosh, this hurts tonight, doesn't it? I'm just reading you the Bible. I'm so sorry. This is God's word. You guys, this this isn't a piece by piece, get your life together. This is maybe sometimes we don't always walk in love, or maybe we haven't looked at our lives to see where we may be missing it. Right? I don't look at my faith, I look at my relationship with God. Right? Maybe we've missed it a, a time or two in our love walk, 
and then we're still trying to reach out to God and still harboring unforgiveness. God can't be there in the unforgiveness, but we still want all the promises that we have to take by faith. But faith works by love. <laughs> if you're not walking in love, your faith won't work because faith works by You guys are getting it. Can you see why love is written so many times in the Bible? Do we see it? It's super important. It shows the world God through you. How you live out this love shows God to this world, but it also enables you to walk a life filled with faith because faith works by love. Let's talk about a few things tonight. First, about how to love on our friends. Right? We love our friends most of the time. We can include family in this. Let's go to 1 Peter 3. We'll read a couple of verses here. Starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and let his lips from speaking deceit. Sounds like we shouldn't gossip, right? Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. You guys, this verse is, is, is telling us when we walk in the love of God, his ears are open to us. When we walk in love, his ears are open to us and to your prayers. This is, this is talking about how to love on other Christians, your family. Let's, let's take a little breakdown of this. Uh, we'll, we'll just break down verses 8 and 9. The first thing that it mentions is being of one mind. How in the world do we do that? Right? It's, it's hard enough to get people to agree on the best ice cream flavor. Okay, I'm going to give you guys two choices. Chocolate and vanilla. If you think vanilla is the best flavor, raise your hand. If you think chocolate is the best flavor, raise your hand. We can't even agree on an ice cream flavor. And we're supposed to agree on the things of God. Right? Like, like now here's, here's a question to pose to you. What if, I'm not saying it does, what if the Bible showed you that vanilla was clearly the best flavor? Would you agree with vanilla? Or would you want to form your own opinion because chocolate is a branch off of vanilla just with some flavor mixed in? Welcome to the start of church division. Right? So how do we be of one mind? How do we do that? You guys, there's only, there's only one thing in this world. We know love will never fail, and the word of God will never pass away. So if we're going to have one mind, if the church is going to come to be one mind, if we're going to all work together, do one mind, and, ha- and think the same thoughts and do the same things, it's going to have to be based right out of the word of God. Right? Our opinions, our ideas, our hurts, our wants, that's why we have divisions. When you say vanilla and they say chocolate, we have to break off and start a new church. That's just how this world has worked. Don't, don't break off and I like both, both sides. We can have swirl in this church, okay? We'll have chocolate and vanilla. But be of, be of one mind. The only way that is possible is if we all choose to renew our mind to the word. Not about our own opinions, not about our own ideas, but strictly what the word of God says. Faith works by love. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, you're wrong, but faith works by love, right? That should settle the issue of how faith works. There shouldn't be a whole bunch of commentaries and doctrines and changes on that. Faith works by love. Garrett mentioned, what would Jesus do bracelets last Sunday? Wasn't Garrett's message good? Were you guys here? Oh, man, it was good. Garrett, you blessed me. Um, Garrett said sometimes he uses what would Chip do when he's thinking about posting on Facebook. 
But I used to be a guy that would wear all the rubber bracelets and everything. And what would Jesus do would solve a lot of issues if we would simply stop to ask that question before we acted or spoke. Now, what would Jesus do only works if we actually read the Bible and see what Jesus would do and not put our own opinions and thoughts on it. The next thing it says is have compassion. You guys, this Bible is filled with examples of compassion. Jesus lived it out. Uh, and, and really what compassion comes down to is uh, Jesus had authority, so do, so do we. We know that we have authority, and it's the compassion for people that drove him to act. So your compassion, when it says have compassion, that should drive you and move you to want to help people. Amen? Love as brothers is the next one that it mentions. You should treat everyone in here as your immediate family. Let's continue to work towards that goal. Unless you don't like your own family. <laughs> right? The idea is that family is supposed to be close. Right? If you have broken relationships in your family, let's get them fixed. That's what the, that's what the forgiveness and the love of God is all about. Let's get those relationships fixed. Because we're supposed to love everyone like our brothers. Be tenderhearted. That means care for people. Rejoice, we know the verse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Bear one another's burdens. You can't be willing to help one another if you have a hard heart. Who's one of the most famous people in the Bible that had a hard heart? Pharaoh? Yeah. Pharaoh had a hard heart, and his hard heart ultimately led to death. So don't be like him. Don't die. Cool? The next thing it says is be courteous. You guys respect one another. You don't always have to agree with one another, but we can sure respect one another. We can sure uh, listen to one another. We can really be in a conversation and care for people. When we talk about being courteous, uh, the first thing that pops into my head is when you have a younger generation that's trying to mingle with an older generation. A lot of the times the older generation looks down and the younger generation thinks the older generation is snobby. Right? The, the, the Bible talks about us all working together. In youth, we love to use the verse that says, let them not despise your youth, or don't despise your youth. Be an example. There's, there's a two-part thing. It's telling the older people in the church to not despise the youth, but it's also telling the youth to be the example. Right? It's a two-way street. So when we talk about being courteous, that's everybody working together. That's all of us being on the same page. Be looking for ways to put others before yourself. Next thing it says is not returning evil for evil. <laughs> guys, you know he's talking to church people, right? Our God has to tell us not to return evil for evil inside the church, inside our own family. <laughs> Why would someone we love do evil to us? <laughs> it just happens. We're not perfect people. Through Jesus we are. But on our own nature, our own emotions, we're not always the best version of ourselves. So don't return evil for evil. You guys, the Bible says that our job is to return blessing when someone does evil to us. It's hard to do. I know sometimes uh, we want to do it sarcastically. Do you guys remember the story of Pastor Mike? Uh, isn't our pastor amazing? Uh, uh, such a great, a great man of God, man of faith, uh, in the word that he pours into us. And I love that uh, every Sunday when you come, you also get an example of how it's walked out in his life. And one of the stories that I remember is when he told the story about when his father passed away. When his father passed away, he had, his father had been remarried and uh, didn't like the legal system or whatnot, so didn't want to set up whatever money he had to go uh, into the system to then be doled out. So he put the, the current wife in charge, and uh, when he passed away, rumors, she said a bunch of stuff, did a bunch of stuff that ultimately uh, would keep them from the, the family from seeing any money and just told lies to him and all that kind of stuff. Just, just a big, giant mess. And I remember when Pastor Mike was telling the story, he was angry, he was hurt. Uh, 
And then there was, there was, there was one time that he, I think he was driving, and God showed him a picture of her, of how scared she was, how hurt she was, how fearful she was that, that they were coming after her. And it, and, it, and it changed his heart to have compassion towards her. Right? And in that moment, and he even tells you that it was hard for him to start. You know, the first time he said, bless her, Lord. Right? I think that's how we do it uh, a lot of the times with people that hurt us, and then we never get past it and actually move on to wanting God to really bless them. Right? But the Bible says, don't return evil for evil, but blessing. Bless her, Lord. <laughs> you guys, when your family and friend hurts you, it, it, it seems really hard to want to bless them. But why do we bless them? We know in Psalms 15.1, you don't have to go there, but it says a soft answer turns away wrath. You guys, you guys can help solutions by giving a soft answer. Has that worked for anybody else in their life before? Right? When people are angry and people are upset, uh, you come with a soft answer, and it, it just d- dissolves the situation, a lot of the situation. Uh, but what I also want you to see, we're still uh, in First Peter. Look at verse 9. And this is just after talking, not returning evil for evil, but on the contrary, blessing. So you return blessing for evil, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. In Romans eleven twenty nine, it says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You guys, you guys are called to bless people. Do you see that at the end of verse 9? Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit the blessing. We are called to bless people, and that will never change. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. If you are called to bless now, you're called to bless later. You are called to bless those who do evil to you. Why? Because the Bible says so. You guys, that's not always the answer we want, but the Bible says it. And guess what? There's also a little bonus for you. It says, if you do it, look at the end of verse 9. Knowing that you were called to this. So we do it because that's what the Bible says. And also that you may inherit a blessing. Guys, there's a blessing to forgiveness. So let me, let me get back to faith works by love. If you know that God is a loving God who wants to pour out his blessings on you, but you're set on getting someone back or getting your portion or, or, or getting what you think you deserve, instead of blessing them, you're not walking in love. You're not in faith and can't expect to receive the blessings that he promised you, that you have to take hold of by faith. It's just the truth, guys. You can't grab onto God's promises by faith if you're not walking in love because faith works by love told you love is important. You guys, the Bible goes on and on and on about the love of God, about characteristics of love. And we're not going to take our time to go all through those tonight. Uh, But what I want to encourage you to do is to dive deeper into the study of love. Why? Because our God is love. I want to encourage you to dive deeper into that. The more that you know about God's character and his deep love for you, it'll help soften your heart towards others. And we all need soft hearts in this world. Amen. Renew your mind to the word. So you can love on people without reservation. Uh, I want to tell you a quick story um, about loving on family. You know, sometimes we don't always get to choose our family. (laughs) Sometimes they marry in. Sometimes you were just born and that's what happened, right? Like we don't get to choose our family all the time. And uh, when my mom passed away in 2002, it's been a a long time now, but but my dad got remarried and, and his wife and I were not seeing eye to eye on a lot of stuff. I was a spoiled brat kid. I came home from college just one semester to go and didn't think it would be fair for me to have to get a job if I need to focus on my school. She thought otherwise. Her and my dad agreed. Right? And, and so we started butting heads on a lot of things. 
right? And it, and it just brought contention into everything. And then it was, it, it just, it was not a fun time. Uh, she didn't want to be around me. I didn't want to be around her. Uh, her kids didn't like me. You know, it just, it was a mess because I was set on getting my own. I deserve this. My dad needs to pay for me to go to college. I was 21, by the way. Who, who, we should probably get a job and maybe pay for your own college, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we both, both of us in that situation felt mistreated, felt like we were getting the short end of the stick, felt like the other person was wrong, and it wasn't until we both decided to not return evil for evil, because it was back and forth. And we're, we, we were both kind of high-tempered, I guess, at the point, or we both thought that we were right. And so it was just this back-and-forth struggle with no resolve, because we both wanted our way. And it wasn't until we both decided to not return evil one day that a soft answer would turn away wrath, that that relationship has gone on 16 years later, and it's such a blessing. My kids have an amazing grandma that loves them, that takes care of them, that spoils them, right? She wouldn't pay for my college to finish, but she spoils my kids. You know what I mean? And we're we're totally blessed by it. And it all because of a matter of the heart when we chose to finally stop returning evil for evil. You guys, has been in the Bible all of those years. We just chose not to live it out. How many times do we do that in our relationships, especially with family? Right? We let a little thing get in there and just drive a huge wedge till 20 years later, we don't even know why we're really angry with them. You guys, it was hard for me. That was a hard time uh, for our family. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Loving family and friends can be hard, but it's part of our calling in Christ. All right. That's loving our family, that's loving our friends. You know, the Bible says we're also supposed to love our enemies. Let's go ahead and let's talk about that. Go to Matthew 5 real quick. And while you guys are turning, uh, turning, didn't you guys enjoy Scott Stewart a couple weeks ago? Um, Scott is a great guy. I got to pick him up from the airport. We had a good time. Uh, Then he crashed my car that Friday afternoon, and we had an even better time. And then I got to take him back to the airport. We just had a really good time. And one of the points that, uh, that I love that Scott made was, Keeping the Bible, keeping Jesus, keeping the scripture in context. Wasn't that, you guys remember that point? It was such a good point because we, we do that a lot. It's super popular to take a specific verse or a specific phrase of a verse out of context. But it's important that we get the whole thing for understanding. Uh, this next verse uh, is one that I'm sure uh, back in the time when I was butting heads with my stepmom uh, that I would have loved to take out of context. Matthew 543. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yes! Right? Finally, a Bible verse I can stand on in this situation. (laughs) You guys, we know that's not what the Bible says. Let's put it in context. Go on to verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like how we're supposed to love our family? (laughs) To not return evil for evil, but, uh, but bless them. What does it say? Bless those who hate you and pray for those uh, who use you and are against you. You guys, it sounds almost identical. Sounds like the same way that we would love on our family. It's the same way that we love on our enemies. And, that, and that's exactly how it should be. Because, see, your love, the love that you give towards people, should not be dependent on that other person. You're called to love as Christ loved. Jesus didn't differentiate between those who were going to love him back and those who would not. He died for everybody. Amen? John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has, this, has no one than this, and to lay down his life for his friends. 
You guys, and we know the Bible says God wills for all men to be saved. So God wants them all to be his friends and his family. Do we see that? Back to Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than the others? You guys, there's an implication that the church, that the Jesus followers should be doing more than the rest of the world. Do you guys see that? What do you do more than others? There's the implication that the church shouldn't be just doing enough to get by. We should be loving other people, taking care of other people more than the world standard of love does. Implication that the church should be doing more. Jesus says here in Matthew that God's love did not have qualifications. God's love isn't based on if the person likes you or not. Jesus coming uh, for the world didn't, didn't dictate if they were going to love him or not. Right? He came for everybody. <laughs> God's love's not based on if the person likes you, if they believe the same way as you, or if they voted for Donald Trump or not. The love of God is extended to all. Some will receive it, some won't, but that's their choice. And God already made his, and it was to love. That should be our choice as well. God so loved the world. And when I think of God's love, knowing that some people won't receive it, some people won't take hold of it, uh, it just seems to me that his perfect love in the way that we should love on other people is without that expectation that they're going to love us back. We're going to try. We're going to do all that we can to make sure they get into the kingdom of God, but it's ultimately their choice. God so loved the world. His perfect love is a one-way reach outward towards us. I, I, I hope everyone in here has taken that hand, that extended uh, hand of love but it was for all of us, this entire world. You guys, our job is to walk out the God kind of love towards everyone. Your job is to love, and it's their job to respond. So how do we walk in love when we don't feel like it? Do you guys always feel like walking in love? Do you always feel like walking in love when you're at church? Nope. Do you always feel like walking in love when you walk in the front door after a day of work? Nope. Flip to Romans 5.5. One of the verses that, as, as Christians, that we should always remember is, is the one that says, God would never leave us or forsake us, right? Usually, if you're in a shouting service, you yell that out, and everybody gets all excited. Yeah, he'll never leave us or forsake us. That's a great verse that we should have, and I think that's something that we should apply in everything that we do. If God never leaves us or never forsakes us, that means God is always with us. That means God is always moving in and with us. There's not a qualifier on that, so we can apply it to our love walk as well. So when you don't feel like loving on someone, what can you do? Romans 5.5. 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. You guys, when you don't feel like someone deserves your love, or you just simply are tired and don't feel like you have more love to give, you can stand on this scripture, because it says that it's the love of God that's in your heart. Aren't you glad that it's God's love that's in your heart, and not just your idea of love? The world's idea of love runs out, but God's doesn't. We have his love to give. So when you don't feel like you have it to give, realize that that love is from God and you can give it. His love never fails. You have love to give. It is in you. Here's something else I want us to look at. Go ahead and flip to Romans 8. We know that God is love, and now we've just seen that the love of God is in our hearts. That means it's part of you guys. So Romans 8, 37 is where we're going to start. Get your shouting hats on. Verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Yeah, right? Like, 
That's a good verse. That is a good verse. Let's keep going. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whoo! Right? Amen, right? When I was reading verse 38, this is something that popped in my head. For I am persuaded that neither death, and, when, and I made a note that says death, the end of your time here on earth, nor life, the busyness of the things of this world. Right? No matter how busy you guys get with our day-to-day tasks, you can't be separated from the love of God. Amen? Even when you're not focused on him, he still loves you. We usually read the scripture about how God loves us and how nothing can separate us from him. Uh, when I was reading the scripture a while back, something new kind of hit me. Uh, you guys ready for it? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Did you hear me? Did you get it? You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Did you get it? Maybe. <laughs> You're going, Chip, move on. It's a dead point. Like, it's not. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you, Chip, but what are you trying to say? I'm trying to get you to think of it this way. This is what, what showed to me when I read that verse. You should be walking out love in such a way that people can't tell where you end and God's love begins. Right? It's not just about you being wrapped up in this love of God. It's about when you are walking out your love in such a way that people can't tell where you end and God's love starts. Because his love is in your heart. You are the love of God manifest to this world. People should walk away from you knowing that they were just loved on by their Heavenly Father. Why? Because the love of God's in your heart and you cannot be separate or separated from that. You and God are one. Jesus said in John 10, 30 that I and the Father are one. You're in Jesus. He's in God. We're all together. Cool? What's he saying? I do what my Father does. I act as my Father does. I think as my Father does. You can't separate us because we are one. So how do we love when we don't want to? We do what our Father does. We act as our Father acts. We say what our Father says, and we think what our Father thinks. Guys, when we do that, we take ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings out of the game, and it's so much better that way. You walk in love by doing what the Bible says your Father does, because Jesus, you, and God are one. Guys, there's something important to know the way that you treat and love on other people, that your love walk is not only how you can show love to others, but it's how God can show his love to them through you. God's love is in your heart and that never runs out or dries up. So you should never run out of God's love to give others. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Essentially it says this, our sufficiency is of God. Amen. Our sufficiency is of God. So when we are out of our own love to try to give to somebody, he makes up the difference. Our sufficiency, our fullness is in God so we can give his love. When we're out of unforgiveness to extend towards our kids because they won't brush their teeth at night, God's love and God's, un- and God's forgiveness makes up that difference. So we have sufficiency in all things through God. That means you're going to have to love on people you don't like. Why? Because your father loves them. You're going to have to bless people you don't want to. Bless our Father God. Why? Because your Father loves them. You're going to have to pray for people you don't want to. Why? Because your Father loves them. Your Father loves them, and you can, can't operate separate from the love of God that is in you. Turn to Mark 12. We'll wrap up here in a minute, I think. 
Mark 12, uh, we're just coming out of a portion where Jesus was answering some of the Sadducees. He flips their effort to trip him up. uh, And after he answers one of their questions, uh, one of the scribes comes over to him privately by himself. And he asks him a question that says, which is the first commandment of all? And you will see Jesus answer in Mark 12, 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. What's the first commandment? To love who? God. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's the first commandment. And the second is like this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. What I made a note of is when it says there is no other commandment greater than these, it's still implying that there's more stuff that we need to listen to, more things that we need to follow as well. Right? This entire Bible is a commandment for us how to live our lives. But there's none greater than these two. And the second is like this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Guys, there's an implication in verse 31 that we're supposed to love ourselves. Isn't that a huge problem in the world today? People don't value themselves. Now, before you go crazy on me or Garrett or Mark uh, calls to my attention 2 Timothy 3, let's go ahead and look there real quick. Let me ask you a question. Do you love yourself? Good, I'm glad. I was going to say this is not a trick question because I'm going to ask you again after we read 2 Timothy 3. Starting in verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Amen! Oh, that's not a shouting scripture that we're excited about. Verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. <gasps> Let me ask you again. Do you love yourselves? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Do you love yourselves? It's not a trick question. I'm just, I'm just messing with you because, uh, because right here we see that the world's version of loving themselves is completely selfish. They're putting themselves first. They're wanting what other people have. They're proud. They're boasters. They're not listening to parents. Why, don't you, why do you disobey your parents? Because you think you know better. <laughs> the teenagers just laughed. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You guys, this world's version of self-love is selfish. Only looking out for themselves. And that is not what God just said. What did, the, what did the first commandment say? To love who first? God. This is the world's perversion of love. Everyone's right. Proud of their own sins. They're false accusers. They love pleasure more than God. Lovers of themselves. Uh, the creation more than loving the creator. Uh, I think there's, just to show you the difference in how the world spins things versus what Jesus said. Uh, the world says this, and it's also in plenty of action movies, or uh, I think I'm re- referencing specifically a Star Wars movie. If you are not for us, you are against us. That's what the world says. In Mark 9:40, Jesus says this, "For he that is not against us is for us." Do you see a difference? The world says this: If you are not for us, you are against us." And Jesus says, "If you're not against us, you're for us." How much more of an inclusive, loving statement is Jesus' side versus what the world has twisted it to be? Do you see that? In Jesus' example, you're having to choose to walk the other way. If you haven't chosen, then come on in. Be part of us. But the world says, if you're not standing with me on this issue, you are against us. Do you see the difference in the perversion on how the world twists these things? 
I was reading, uh, I, I don't read psychology today very often, but I, I was reading it and there was an article and a picture and it said, do you love yourself? Loving yourself is the first step towards happy relationships. Do you see how the world's missed it? They're close, but they're leaving out the first step, which was love God with all that you are. That was the first step. So I'll ask you again, not a trick question. Do you love yourself? Yes. I hope the answer is yes. Not by loving yourself by the world standard, which is selfish and boastful and proud and all that other garbage that we wanted, but by doing it God's way. Why do you think Jesus made the first commandment to love God? Because you are made in his image. So you need to get to know him. If you spend time finding out who your father is, if you spend time falling in love with your heavenly father, you'll begin to discover who you are really called to be. And through God, you can love the you who he made you to be. Loving yourself is not about being secure in your body type. Right? Loving yourself is not about accepting your bad habits. Right? That's, not, that's, that's the world's definition of loving yourself. When you can just be okay with that sin that you keep living in. Right? When you think you know more than God, so you're going to keep living it. That's not what, what this is talking about. Loving yourself stems from seeing yourself as the person God has created you to be. Right? That's the version of yourself that you should love and long to be. The Bible says that we can overcome. Amen? The things that you're struggling with, those, uh, the sins that you maybe keep falling back into, those are not the things that you should love about yourself. But you should love who God has called you to be. More than a conqueror a king, a priest, an heir to all of his blessings. That's the you that you should love. Amen? And that's why we should continually be transformed to that person. When you start to see how yourself, how God sees you, you can start to really love yourself. You can start to really forgive yourself. Amen? When you love yourself like God does in your position to love others the right way. You guys, how many relationships are broken in this world because we haven't understood how to biblically love on other people? And a lot of that stems from not being able to understand how to love ourselves. Our society is filled with people who don't love themselves. If they don't love themselves, they're not going to love other people. And our world is a mess, right? The world uh, is a mess with crime and evil because people don't understand how much God loves them. They don't understand love. Because remember, if you don't know God, you don't know love. They don't understand how much God loves them, that he wants us to love ourselves so we can love others the right way. We've missed it when we do things the world's way, which says loving yourself is first. And God's way says God first in everything. The world says it's all about you. I, was, I love Pastor Mike's rant about the Coke commercial the other week. Did you guys hear that? The Coke commercial that just says, do you or be you or whatever it was. It was all about you. Be God. Be Jesus to other people. Be a son of God. That's who you're supposed to be. So as long as that's the you that you're being, great. But it's not a pass to go do whatever you feel like doing today. It's not a pass to go uh, sin every way that you feel like you should sin today. Right? God has called you to be you specifically, the Bible you. So be you. The Bible says God first with everything, then love each other. We learn to love when we learn and to know God, when we learn and know God. When we take God out of the picture, we take love out of the picture. Sound like schools and government, right? When we take God out of the picture, we take love out of the picture. It's a, it's a, it's a step that we skip that is vital. So what do we expect? 
If the world continue, takes God and takes love out of things, what do we expect, guys? They don't know what real love is. They don't know what God's love is. They chase it through other things, through drinking, through social media, mixing up, mixing up lust with love, blind acceptance of anything, and then any opposition is, is, equals hate. We fill our lives with false temporary love instead of doing it God's way, and we wonder why it doesn't work out. Garrett touched on this last Sunday. He said, uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He was quoting Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Keeping the commandments that, we just, that were just explained to us in Mark 12 is good for you. It's how you love God, it's how you love yourself, and it's how you love other people. Uh, I tend to get frustrated, and some of the young adults have probably heard me rant on this before. Uh, have you guys ever come across people that, that don't want anything to do with the Bible because it's just a list of do's and don'ts? Right? That's such a stupid excuse. Can I say stupid on Facebook? Stupid. Right? Like, it's such a stupid excuse, and I get so frustrated because it's like, even if we agree that the Bible does have a list of do's and don'ts, why would that be a bad thing? Here's some things that I pulled out that the Bible tells us to do that we've seen tonight. Love God, love one another, love your enemies, know the word so you can be blessed. What else do we know? Be strong, be courageous. We know all of these things. Those are the do's of the Bible. Here's the don'ts. Don't get drunk. Don't murder someone. Don't cheat on your spouse. Don't gossip. Don't steal. Don't lie. You guys, people don't want a list of do's and don'ts. What's the part of the don'ts that you see are beneficial here in anybody's life? Right? Like, oh, the Bible's a list of do's and don'ts. Then do the do's and don't do the don'ts. It's good for you. Right? We, we, have, we all drive cars for the most part in here. There is rules of the road. Those rules are good for you. They keep you alive. The only rule we may argue with is the speed limit on the way to Arizona. It's too low. But there are laws of the road, and they are good for you, and they are to help you be successful in that task. So why do we want to fight when there are rules and things laid out, do's and don'ts of how to live your life successfully? This is a book of do's, and the do's are good. And the don'ts are not good. Who in here is super excited to get drunk and cheat on their wife? Right? It should be nobody. Why do people argue to want to do the don'ts that are in the Bible? It's stupidity. <laughs> you guys, anything that we see in the Bible about how to live rightly is also instructions for you on how to love. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Uh, let's go real quick to 2 Timothy. I promise I'm almost done this time. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee off also youthful lust. Darn. I wanted to keep those till I was 40, right? Come on. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with all them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't follow youthful lust. Do follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Do's and don'ts. The do's are so much better. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You guys, how do we love on God? We keep his commandments. How do we love on other people? We keep his commandments. What is loving others? You guys, loving others is living a life that loves God. 
so that the world sees you, how you act, how you speak, how you treat other people, how you, how you instruct, how you have the answers, so that they may see that. Why? This verse tells us, so they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. You guys, the ultimate result of your love walk is someone else coming to know their heavenly father. That's what it should all be about. The result of your love walk is someone else making the choice to follow after God. How do you love on your family and friends? Keep his commandments. How do you love on your enemies? Keep his commandments. How do you love yourself? Keep his commandments. How do you love God? Keep his commandments. How do you love, period? Keep his commandments. You do the do's and you don't do the don'ts. If the Bible tells us all this stuff, right, on how to love, how to live, how to treat people rightly, what the real definition of love is, is it a wonder why the Bible is under such attack these days? Why they want to keep it out of schools, why they want to keep it out of government. Uh, We have, even in the church, we have uh, sections of the church that are trying to still decide if all the parts of the Bible are true and if all the parts of the Bible are relevant for today. The answer is yes. If it's not, then what are we doing? The Bible is under attack because the Bible shows us how to live and how to love. And faith works by love. Remember where we started in Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. So how do we love? We keep his commandments. What does that look like? All of the things where we started in 1 Peter chapter 3. Actions. Moving with compassion. Praying for others. Blessing others. Helping others. Being kind. Being courteous. Having a soft heart towards others. Being a doer of the word. Doing the do's. And don't do the don'ts. Walking in love takes faith. Faith that when you can't love them on your own or you don't feel like you have enough to love, that God can love them through you. Our sufficiency is in him, amen? Faith that he'll give you opportunities to pray for people, to bless people, to help people, and to love people. Walking in love is your faith in action, and faith works by love. You guys, one last reminder. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You're in it. Live in it, walk in it, breathe in it. You cannot be separated from the love of God. So don't let people be able to tell the difference between where you end and God's love starts. Be the you God created you to be. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this night. Thank you that your word and who you are, your character and nature is so full of love. You yourself, God, are the definition of love. Help us to take a bold stand to defend love, to proclaim love, the right kind of love. And to be ready when the world asks what love really is. Help us to show your heart to other people, God. That's what we are here for. That's what we want to do with our lives to honor you, to bring more people into this family. God, help us to love continually on our family the right way. Help us to love people that don't even like us. Help us to continue to honor you in everything that we do, God. And that in all that we do, you get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, we love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Don't forget, Terry Mize will be here this Sunday. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys.